0: Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. Well, we are uh, continuing our, our conversation um, that uh, we've called Real Jesus uh, uh, an exploration of the ways in which Jesus is superior to any other uh, one who might invite you to the dance, uh, and so today we're going. Darren has been uh, over the last couple of weeks talking about how the kingdom of God uh, comes in in and through the life of Jesus. It was his primary message. It was the gospel that Jesus preached. Uh, while it included things like personal salvation through faith in Christ through his death on the cross. That's just kind of the center of a, of a massive circumference of of the, the kingdom's coming. It's, it's not, uh, uh, it's, it's for, for many of us at least theologically a point of entry. But it can't be uh, the only thing that we say is the gospel. That is in fact not really the gospel even that Jesus himself proclaimed. Uh, that the gospel that Jesus proclaimed is that God was on the move and that the kingdom was coming and that God was going to work to restore all things uh, and that is the good news that we enter into and participate in. Um, so so this inevitable awareness of the overlap that we live in, we live now with with a couple of options available to us. We can live, Jesus says, with attention paid to the kingdom of mammon, the kingdom of the material world or we can live with attention paid to the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If we attempt to live in both kingdoms at the same time, Jesus said, we will inevitably be anxious and worried and afraid most of the time. We will be torn apart but if we seek first God and his kingdom all of our needs in the material world uh, God knows that w- what we need and 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 are uh, are the nature of our being if we attempt to uh, live primarily in the kingdom of mammon we will suffer the outcomes of the kingdom of mammon so jesus said let let let's let's div- 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 invest the treasure of our time and our resource and our our attention in the kingdom uh, that is come and is coming. Does, does that make sense? So we'll continue to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. But uh, I want today to answer the question, if the kingdom has come, who's eligible for entry? For whom is the kingdom good news? Uh, so we'll look at a very uh, important text that Jesus outlines at the beginning of his public ministry. It is is in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, and I'll be using um, the the understanding of this that I developed uh, in in working with and reading through the work of Dallas Willard, uh, who is one of my primary mentors in my doctoral uh, work. because I think uh, uh, he has something to say to us uh, uh, about whom Jesus includes. So we'll look at the so-called uh, beatitudes, uh, but this this uh, question, uh, it, who has access to the kingdom is an important one. And so Jesus, uh, you'll notice how he frames this very important carefully. So we'll look at Matthew chapter 5 and begin at verse 1. When, this, when Jesus saw the crowds gathering, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples then came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in the heavens, In the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in the heavens. So you'll have noticed, by the way, you probably don't need to say this, but you'll have noticed that I've, I've pluralized each of the occasions in which the word heaven occurs That's deliberate, and it echoes what Matthew is doing. Matthew almost always has heavens, not heaven. Uh, And he does that, I think, very deliberately, playing to a Jewish understanding of the universe to whom he is primarily writing, that the heavens include both, number one, where God resides and the angels, number two, sun, moon, stars, universe, but then number three, the space around our ears, our atmosphere, all three, heavens are the places of God's dominion. So at the end when Jesus will say all authority in the heavens and on earth has been given to me he's saying any place authority can be properly understood it's been given to me. So this is an important understanding as we think through uh, now what he's in calling us to here. This uh, list he begins with well let's let 's just go back and walk through it uh, I, I, as we think through the, the heavens, go back to verse one with me if you would. Uh, when Jesus saw the crowds gathering, so he began, begin. and this again, like I said, is kind of his first uh, public speech, if you will. He went up on a mountain, and now he is beginning to teach his disciples. Please notice, not the multitudes per se, but the disciples. So he is, he is answering, I think, this core question, for whom is this kingdom good news? Who receives this as good news? And usually when we when we uh, work through the Beatitudes, we think of them as conditions of blessing. If you do this, then you will be blessed. But I think what Jesus is doing, given this audience to whom he is speaking, this first century audience, and, and remember Matthew's gospel was written to somebody. So we have to look at it at least these two levels. First of all, How did the audience that Jesus was speaking to, his disciples hear this? And then how did Matthew's audience hear this? Uh, and, And that then is the framework of our understanding. And instead then of trying to project 21st century values back on these phrases, making them conditions of blessing, making them conditions of the receiving of the heavens we want to hear how that first century audience would have heard it. And I think when we do that, we'll probably hear this in slightly different ways. So let's look at the next verse. He said, first of all, when we're considering who is eligible for the kingdom, for whom this is good news, let's consider those who are poor in spirit because theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. Now we have often heard this to mean people who are are humble, Or who recognize their spiritual poverty. Uh, When Luke actually quotes Jesus on this, he just says, Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. I think Matthew's saying somewhat the same thing. Blessed are those who are sad, blessed are those who are depressed, blessed are those who are crushed under the weight of their lives who feel like the entire universe has passed them by. Blessed are those because the kingdom is available for them. The reason I want you to start to think about this this way is that we have often thought that when the kingdom comes, it comes to the eligible. That is those who show promise. Uh, I had a student this past week uh, preach the sermon uh, uh, on the call of the disciples: Peter, James, John, uh, uh, Andrew, uh, and and he wanted as hard as he could to make something significant in those four guys as the as the reason Jesus called them. Until his exegetical work crashed on the on the shore. Uh, in which he finally started to realize, wait a minute, no, these, these guys were losers in that culture. They were, they were ordinary every day, walking around, minding their own business people. There was nothing in them that warranted Jesus' calling of them to join him in his work. That's what we're after here. This is not something that anybody wants to be, poor in spirit. But the fact is, this is the way some of us are. And Jesus wants us to know, first of all, you're still available. The kingdom is still available to you. You don't have to get your act together in order for the kingdom to be available to you. Do you, want to, do you see what he's doing here? He's taking the bar of access to the kingdom and lowering it eight times until finally when he's done, the bar for access to the kingdom is on the ground. Anybody can receive the kingdom as good news, including those who are clinically depressed, including those who feel that they have been passed by. Are you you getting where we're going here? Um, So he then goes on and says, blessed are those who mourn. Who are those who mourn? This week we have a whole range of answers to that question. People who mourn are those who have suffered catastrophic loss who have suffered the loss of a loved one. When Matthew's gospel is written, it's written to a church in part undergoing persecution, in part having theologians explain the losses they have experienced as a result of the judgment of God. God is angry at you for abandoning Judaism and embracing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, you have lost your loved one. It's proof of God's displeasure. Jesus says, No, 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 no. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who have suffered the loss of loved ones. That loss is not proof of God's abandonment. In fact, even those who mourn will be comforted by a God who knows something about loss. Blessed are those who are meek. And finally, we get to the one that we, we think, OK, this, this at least is a virtue. Until we start to think about what we really think about meek people in our culture. What we really think about those who sometimes don't have the capacity to stand up for themselves. Blessed are the bullied. Blessed are the ones who who can't quite get it together to push back against the pushers in their lives. Blessed are those people. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the the folks who are clinging to the dirt because they will inherit the earth. Uh, Jesus knows something about descent into greatness. Blessed are the meek. Then he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And once again, this is this has become, for us at least, a bit of a, of a poster. Uh, blessed are those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness until we start to think, who is it that hungers and thirsts for righteousness? And especially because, re- remember, this is a, a, a Jewish gospel, so righteousness is not positional righteousness. Righteousness is right action, right deed, right behavior. Who hungers and thirsts for that? How about if we tweak it a little bit? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice. That's what he has in mind. Who is it that hungers and thirsts for justice but those who have been denied justice? Those who are caught in the the vice grip of an immigration policy that does them harm and damage. Blessed are those who have no voice Blessed are those who have no space, nobody to speak to them, who just cry out for justice to be done. Blessed are those people. The kingdom is available for them. They will be filled. How's this feeling? Do you you feel the shift a little bit? As we turn this, I, I, I think, really right side up, and Jesus is taking and saying, those people that perhaps even you have marginalized even even you perhaps who have have cuz we want this to be we want to be included because we're includable right we want we want to receive the invitation of the kingdom because we bring something to the kingdom we want we want Jesus to choose us because there's something in us that makes us choosable just me And Jesus is just saying, well, yeah, yeah, bring your peanut butter and jelly sandwich in the stained brown bag. You can join the buffet at the kingdom. Blessed are those, however, who don't even have a brown bag to hold a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in because they're invited to. They have access to. He goes on. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. This is a hard one for us. Because mercy is clearly a value and a virtue. Until we remember that the primary shower of mercy is those who have been done wrong to. And what do we in our culture want them to do? We want them to fight back. We don't want mercy shown to people who ought not have mercy shown to them. We will will make a a 20 minute segment on 60 minutes. For the the relatives of those who were slain in in a Charleston church. Speaking days after the death of their loved ones at a prayer meeting at a Bible study. Speaking words of forgiveness. We will, we will, that is notoriety, but we don't want to do that ourselves. We want revenge. We want payback. And Jesus just says, no, no, no. Those who are unwilling to take revenge, who instead are showing mercy to those to whom mercy ought not be shown, Yeah. Oh, let's remember. That's all of us. They themselves, like everybody else, will be shown mercy. Otherwise, there's no kingdom to enter. Do do you see what he's doing here? Uh, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And once again, another one that we love, right? Until we remember what happens to peacemakers. Uh, I have colleagues, uh, friends over the years in my congregations who have been uh, first responders, law enforcement. And you know the answer to the question before I ask it. What calls would they rather never go out on? Domestic disturbance. Domestic violence. where, Where husbands are pitted against wives and fathers against sons. Because to be a peacemaker is to be hated by both parties. To put yourself in the middle where anger is flowing in the relationship. To put yourself in that intermediary position. Blessed are the peacemakers. This is, reminds me of the passage in Ezekiel where, where God is looking for somebody who will build up a wall. Remember? Who will, who will build up a wall and stand in the gap against What? against wrath, God's wrath flowing through that gap on the people who deserve it, who will say to God, you have to go through me to get to them, like Moses did, like Abraham did, and ultimately, of course, like Jesus did. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who stand in the gap. Blessed are those who carry the weight of a world that deserves judgment and pleads with God instead for shalom, who stands in the gap. Blessed are those people, because they will be called the children of God. Like the Son of God is a peacemaker, paying the price of peace in his own body. Ephesians walks us through this understanding. Blessed are people who are disciples of that peacemaker. Truth is, those people will probably at some point in their lives find themselves across, Find themselves in the crosshairs of somebody's animosity. Blessed are those people. Their act of courage marks them as the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, because they do the right thing, because theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. So here again, Matthew's audience undergoing persecution and almost inevitably somebody is interpreting the persecution they're undergoing as proof that they have missed what God's up to by embracing the new Messiah, Jesus. Because everything was fine as long as we were just Jews under the Roman occupation. As soon as we embrace Christ, then all of a sudden hell breaks loose, literally hell breaks loose. That must mean that we are out of God's will because bad things happening to good people means you're out of the will of God, right? No. And particularly when the persecution that you're enduring, you're enduring because you have embraced the cause of Christ. So this is this is the list, if you will, of those who are what I call the includables. And, and remember, the, the gospel is for the up and outs, too. Not just the down and outs like this, but he wants to take and put the bar down. On the ground, so that we remember that the gospel, the coming of the kingdom, is good news. For, it's harder for those people who, for whom the kingdom will mean the death of their kingdom. It's easier for those who have, have no kingdom, who he's describing here. That's why Jesus will say it's hard for rich people because they're so invested in the mammon. Do, do, do you see? And by the way, the they there is the us here. Because we're wealthier than 85% of the people in the world sitting in this room. That's why the kingdom sometimes seems to us to be kind of like STP, an additive to our lives that gives a little bit better gas mileage. Jesus comes to moderately improve our marriages, but not to mess with things that really matter to us no Jesus does not come to give you a better life he comes to kill you you, you did get your invitation it included BYOC bring your own cross not coffin <laughs> work with me Amy crying out loud That's what he's after though, right? Bring your own cross because you're going to need it. The false self in all its accoutrements have to die so that the kingdom can come in you as it is in the heavens. Why does this matter? Look at what he says next. Uh, He's going to talk a little bit about persecution. Go ahead in the next one. Thanks. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, say false kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. By the way, notice joy is a choice here. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in the heavens. This is how they treated the prophets who were before you. And then he goes on and says this outrageous thing to people who have just barely tripped over the bar on their way into the kingdom. Look at it. You guys are the salt of the earth. You're the world's hope. This is, uh, we usually think of salt as we should as preservative and flavoring, and I think both of those fit, but in the ancient Near Eastern world, salt was primarily used as a sign of covenant. It was how you sealed a contract. You would seal a deal with salt. So so when Jesus says you are the salt of the earth, he's fundamentally saying something like you are God's promise that he hasn't forgotten the world. Your presence in the world, your presence at your place of employment, your presence in your home, in your neighborhood, right? The way you manage the stuff that happens to everybody else, the way you are doing that perhaps differently than everybody else is a sign that God's still on the move, that he still loves this place. You're the salt of the world. If you lose that distinctiveness, he says, what can we do about that? This is why holiness matters, by the way. Holiness is not about specialness. It's about usability. If salt doesn't preserve, if it doesn't season, if it doesn't seal the deal, if it isn't a promise of presence, then what use is it? So he invites us as a result of that invitation to partner with him now in saving the world. And then he gets really outrageous. Look at the next one. You are the light of the world. Anybody feel a little intimidated by that? Especially those of us who just tripped over the bar on the way in. (laughs) It's like, really? Us? Who are grieving? Us? Who are pure in heart? I didn't talk about that one. That's the most difficult one for us. Blessed are the simple-minded. Blessed are the Downs kids. Blessed are those who can't hold two thoughts together at the same time. They're usable too. I just got to say, if, if, if the kingdom isn't good news, To even that category of person, the mentally ill, let's just, it's not good news to anybody. If those people can't be disciples, those people can't be disciples, none of us can. Do do you see? This is is why I just love Jesus so much. He's an equal opportunity savior. (laughs) Y'all come. No, really. Really. Y'all come it's available for you now that you're in we got work to do we got to save this world you're the light of the world so don't hide don't gather in your Christian cloistered clusters your happy holy huddles (laughs) right because we want to get this light where a city set on a hill In this world that we are living in today, tomorrow when you go to work, I'm guessing that one or two conversations might be had about the events of the tail end of last week. Will you be a light to the world that is terrified, that is planning on selling everything and moving to Idaho and buying shotguns and AK-47s and cans of chicken noodle soup I don't know why it's always chicken noodle soup, but maybe, anyway, sorry, I'm channeling something else. (laughs) But doesn't the world need us now more than ever before? Now, what what do I do if I'm afraid? Okay, that's all right. You pray your fear and you ask for courage, which is how fearful people respond to fear. Fueled by love and joy. What if I'm angry? That's all right. Pray your anger. Trust God with the outcomes. In the meantime, love and joy enables us to choose response rather than reaction. What if I'm sad? There's going to be somebody at work who is sad like you. Pray your sadness. But let love and joy keep hope alive. You see what he's up to here? He's inviting us in the middle of this terrified, terror-stricken world to be citizens of the kingdom that has come and is coming to model in large and small ways that there is another way that God is on the move. There is a way of courage and compassion. There is a way uh, of love and presence and involvement and righteousness and persistence. We will not give up. We will not be cowed. We will not resist by by the, the means of this world. We instead will be citizens of the kingdom that has come and is coming. We will be those people. So Jesus says, guys, suit up. Nobody gets to bench yourself. This is an all play. The bench is cleared. We're going for the gold. And the gold exists in the form of that little boy and that little girl who is cowering in fear, who just needs somebody to say, don't be afraid. That's what it means for us to be salt and light. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.